Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Have you ever wondered how to build a passive portfolio in your 20s? Just six years, this guy has done that indeed through property. And we're privileged to join Douglas here today with Emily and myself. How are you, Douglas? Doing well, thanks. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, no, it's an absolute pleasure. And I'm intrigued to find out more about uh, Douglas's portfolio as you are, Emily. Yes, indeed. A hell of a story. So let's get into it. Woolley's worker reveals how he owns five properties and travelled the world all before he turned 28. Now, let's deep dive into that, Douglas. That's an outstanding effort. As we say, it's never about the number of properties, but the end result for what it looks like today is, is truly impressive. Um, it, it captured the attention of the, of the tabloids. Yes. Uh, you're, you're 28 now. So tell me, how did you get yourself into property? Property, I've always, obviously the Australian dream is to have a property and I've always wanted to have one. I never saw myself of having multiple or many, but it was um, when I was 22, I bought the property next door to my father's house and I bought that and about a year later, that property was 280000 It was valued at about 400000 a year later. So I, I realised in one year, I've made $120,000. In that one year, I made more money than I had working and slaving at Woolworths for the last five, six years. Awesome. And, and would you like call that beginner's luck or was there some strategy behind that and you knew what you were doing and you, you understood the numbers and the, and the infrastructure changes or the economy and all those things? Had no idea. Beginner's luck. Okay. I was st- straight into it. And um, after that year, I, I figured out, hang on, I'm onto something here. Like this is, this is possible. It is possible. So imagine if I can do this again. It's interesting that, isn't it, Emily? Because we, we see a lot of beginner's luck and no rhyme or reason, there's growth and they look back and it's like, well, yeah, that, that actually made sense but I didn't know what the hell I was doing and, and I actually did that myself. Um, but you, you get this false bravado, don't you? It's like, well, did you look at it and say, uh, it, I can take on the world now or did you sit back and say, oh, hang on, there was a reason for why it grew like that? Um, there was property growth happening in the area, which I knew about, but to see it grow that much, it was just, it was a bit of excitement for me and I just wanted to go and get my next one straight away. Definitely. Look, I think it's interesting that you say you bought next to your dad's property. Obviously that like 
you lucked out on location because some people buy next to, to their family's property. They might not see growth for five years or, you know, so it's, um, it definitely is an element of, of luck involved. And I assume then your future purchases obviously had an element of education and research and, you know, a bit more informed um, purchasing, but what a great springboard in to be able to buy your next one um, because I think that's obviously where the journey sort of really takes off from there. So what did that second purchase look like for you going from number one and what was the time frame gap between purchase number one and number two? So after the first one, it took me a year to realise the value that had gone up and then that's when I started getting more serious into it and started looking around, starting to work on my second one. I started after about a year to go look for my second one and I went to five six banks had meetings with them all no one wanted a bar of me no one was interested I was it was impossible for me to get a loan went to a few brokers no one wanted a bar of me couldn't get a loan so I was forced to go and ask my sister who was also a teacher at the time because I was casual teaching too and um, she was able to go in 50 50 with me and secure a loan Um, so we could get the money the finance behind another property now and the area, and I know, like you said before, buying in an area where your family is, um, I stuck to the Central Coast again. Um, it's an area that I knew, and I was looking up north, like Gorican area, Wyong areas like that. I had a few inspections there, and I ended up securing one in Tumbiumbi. Lovely part of the world, Tumbiumbi. <laughs> Just up the road, Emily. Um, I want to park here and, and talk about uh, your team of people at the time uh, because you bought next to mum and dad or, or next to your family house that you grew up in. Um, did you have the influence or the team of people around you? Because you, you mentioned that you went to four or five different banks. What sticks out to me straight away is why didn't you use a mortgage broker? Yeah, so um, I was at the beginning, I didn't have the knowledge about it. Um, I was happy to go directly with the bank. Um, and again, my I, when my dad got his home loan when I was a younger kid in school, I remember he went to the bank and he had a meeting with them. He never went through a broker. So I was just following family tradition going through that. Um, it's only recently in the last, since I got my third property, I started going to a broker. We work really well. I was on the phone to him this morning. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't go through a broker because it's just what I didn't know. I didn't know anything about it. Mm. And, and no issues with that. The, the, the boy's 22, 23. So he's, uh, <laughs> you don't get taught this stuff in schools. And, and if dad's done it, then I'm going to follow suit. Don't I? And that's, that's really common, isn't it? Um, so you, you had casual income as a teacher. Yep. Uh, it wasn't enough to get a loan by yourself. Did you think about the the whole can I get a full-time job to to get my borrowing up to go and buy a loan or like because I love your attitude about well five banks knock me back how about my sister like you were just off the chain ready to go and and, and really keen to get you I, I was really really keen I'm um, having a full-time job was never an intention for me um, I had a few problems with Woolies when I was younger um, working for people and I actually made it a goal when I was about 20 that I'll never apply for a full-time job in my entire life so um, I stuck to that. I, I did not want to have a nine to five. I did not want to work under someone else's belt. And um, I stuck with that. And I, I, I knew I knew it is possible. So um, getting that nine to five would have put me back. And at the time, I was traveling so much as well. Um, I th- when I was 24, I hit 100 countries. So um, I, traveling was my priority. Tr- um, property wasn't at the time. Um, so yeah, getting that full-time job was, ne- was never an option for me ever. 
That's a lot of countries. That's crazy. (laughs) More countries than properties, that's for sure. (laughs) That's awesome. So um, I actually just wanted to touch on, because you mentioned with your second one, obviously going in halves with your sister, which is a great idea. And we've touched on a couple of, um, in a couple of episodes on the main show takeover and also on our um, main show, uh, the property show around joint ventures uh, that obviously helped your borrowing capacity by pooling together. Yep. Did you go through any legal documentation or like what was the sort of process um, going through a joint venture with a family member? Um, I did most of the work and she was just there to sign the documents really. So we yep. were just went into a bank um, and we both ended up signing the paperwork. We were easily able to get over the line to get the loan and then we were able to secure the, the loan and buy the property. It wasn't There wasn't really too much difficulty there. Um, yeah. um, she let me do all the work to, towards it. I kept her in the loo, obviously, of what was happening and what she was signing. But um, yep. in that situation there, it was really she's really chilled and really easy to work with. So um, she left it up to me and um, she trusts me and um, the property is doing really, really well at the moment. Um, it's, so we bought it for 435000 and it's yep. valued about six fifty at the moment. So already, and that was in awesome. two thousand and eighteen. So that's just coming up Great. to four years now, and it's like two hundred thousand already. So that's a hundred thousand each. Um, so yeah, yep. and obviously when I speak to her about it, she's extremely happy. <laughs> but um, yeah, and <laughs> we're, we're holding on, we're holding on to it, and um, we're just let it, letting it do its thing. Yeah, and do you have like because I think one of the biggest queries or risk factors for some people thinking of going into a joint venture, particularly if it's a friend, maybe over a family member, is what if you know one person wants to sell and the other person doesn't, or how do they get out of it? Do you have any sort of mutual understandings with um, what you're going to do with the property long term, or are you sort of playing it by ear as the market unfolds? Um, it, look. Obviously, there's going to be problems because there's two people. We have discussions regularly about it. So she actually has a partner at the moment and she wants to yep. go and buy her home and go and live in that home. And um, she wants to buy in Sydney somewhere, which is obviously quite expensive. So yep. down the line, A, we may have to sell so she can get her profit and use as a um, down payment. Or yep. um, there's other, like my, my way that I want to go on it, which is I'm trying to sell to her, is I actually want to um, demolish the property and put two properties on there. Um, okay. That's look two brand new properties, so that's looking long term, and um, that's adding a lot of value to it as well. Um, but I just need, it needs to get by her at this stage. It's running its own business and its course, and it's doing well, and it's just you know ticking over. Um, but yeah, long term, we do have a lot of decisions to make about it, and that is a massive negative um, with going in with a partner. And I do wish. I was able to buy one on my own and not go through her. I do wish that was available. Yeah. Um, but obviously to get to my six properties where I'm at now, I had to go through that step to help me get there. So it it, it was it was a good choice. I don't regret it. But yeah, um, long long term, um, there are definitely some answers that haven't been um, some questions that haven't been answered, and um, we'll have to see what happens. Mm. Yeah, okay. that's fair. Yeah, and and that's a really important point. Is uh, yeah, normally we would recommend having a a legal agreement drawn up, no matter how close you are together. Um, But by the sounds of it, it's worked uh, out really well today. And it was by the sounds of it a case of do a JV and visit a hundred countries, or go alone, full time job, and no countries. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) So, out of interest. The first property, um, I'm backtracking, but I'm intrigued. The first property, uh, how long did it take you to save money to, to buy that property? Since I started working at 15. 
15. Okay, yep. so that's seven years of savings. Seven, to, seven to years that. over time of saving, yeah. Yep, gritting your teeth at Woolworths. Yep, that's it. And, uh, and and away you go into the first property. Awesome. And second question on, on what you've said, how did you afford to go and do 100 countries um, on a casual income? <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm very savvy when I travel and what I do. Um, I'm, I'm, it's, it's, it's hard to explain. So I do travel hacking. So basically I'm getting flights and things for prices that people aren't able to get them for because I'm able to act really, really quickly. So I'm able to fly. So I've been to every state in Australia for under $100. Uh, it's possible. Um, I got a flight. Those Tiger Airways, for example, were flying to Alice Springs. I paid ten dollars there and ten dollars back. Twenty dollars uh, return because they had a sale on at the time, and I just booked it straight away. So, like the th- things like that. I fly to the Philippines for one hundred eighty dollars return. I can get to uh, Honolulu for three hundred dollars return. I can get to Europe for under eight hundred dollars return. I'm just able to buy these flights and see them and understand trends and times. Obviously, I'm not travelling during Easter and I'm not travelling during Christmas. Like, yeah, okay, yeah. Are, are you in a seat or are you in the baggage compartment? Like, yeah, Jaxi, <laughs> no, I'm actually standing up in the back and I don't get a seat. <laughs> yeah. no, oh awesome. boy. <laughs> I love that. That's hilarious. And obviously, I assume the element of your flexibility, um, not being tied to a nine to five, does mean you can basically book that's, a flight and go. Um, and that's why you've been able to take advantage of these deals, which is awesome, um, and avoid the the peak times where everyone else is, you know, lining up to travel. So that's pretty cool. That's right. So in terms of where I guess, because obviously, if you're traveling a fair bit, right, you're not necessarily been on the ground a lot after like did, did was your main part of traveling after property number two or have you just continually always traveled travel's always been priority it's always been number one it's yep. always continued um property has never really been in the picture until coronavirus started uh, um my okay. intention was to travel to every country in the world first and then once yep. i hit every country in the world i'll be able to then focus on that journey of financial freedom and then start to make it because i think traveling to every country in the world would have gotten me um in that club there's only couple of hundred people in Taiwan that have ever done that. So once I hit that club, um, I would have been able then to get more exposure and being able to do a lot more um, and then focus on that financial freedom then. Yeah. Awesome. It sounds like you're someone who definitely like sets a goal and you, you're pretty determined to achieve it, which is probably a testament also to your property success and probably future success as well. Um, in terms of going from number two to number three, what did that look like in the next, like you've got the joint venture, obviously there's some equity potentially floating around as well in property yep. number one. What did that look like? So after I got my second property, I waited again two years. So the first one, I waited two years, got the second one. Then after the second one, I waited another two years. Um, That's when coronavirus started. So um, I flew home from Africa and I realized what's happening. I'm not going to be able to travel anymore. And I started the day I got back, I started the proceedings to go um, because my next door property that I bought, the first one had a lot of land at the back. So I ended up securing a loan of about 120,000 to build a granny flat at the back, a brick granny flat. And during that time, I was at home working as a casual teacher. I was able to get a lot of cash from that as well to save up. And that was put towards the granny flood as well. And um, that was to get the third one there. That whole process took about 10 months from start to finish. It was a long process. I learned so much along the way. Um, Although it was a granny flat, it's like building a brand new home from scratch. I had to pick all the materials. I had to pick the design. I had to do everything. Um, It was stressful. I didn't enjoy it. Um, But I'll tell you something now, after it's all finished and I've got a tenant in there and it's doing its thing, um, it was one of the, I would say that would be one of the best financial decisions I've ever made, getting that that granny flat. So 
I think off um, off air we're, we're talking about it, and it's it's more than a granny flat, isn't it? It's it's you've carved off portion of the block. Uh, don't know whether it's actually allowed to be subdivided, but you've essentially for that person living there, they've got their own it's, block essentially, haven't they? Yeah, there's a home at the front, which is the first one. I've put a halfway through the property. I've put a massive fence in. There's a driveway going up the side. It's a brick home. So um yeah, they're two separate houses technically, but um but they're not subdivided. Okay, so you had trouble maybe getting a loan for that third property so you swung around and and did the granny flat thing on that first property instead that's right i struggled to get that that third property loan again so the i had the prob- problem with the second one i had the problem with the third one again um i actually wanted more than 120,000 i was trying to push for the entire amount um they wouldn't give me the entire amount so i really struggled with it so i just took what i could get which was the maximum 120,000 and built that granny flat Okay, cool. Well, that's awesome. I'm, uh, I'm loving this story, Emily. We're going to take a break and then when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, acquisition four and five and I'm going to ask Douglas about fire. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. We also have a panel of trusted mortgage brokers we can connect you with to get you into your first home, an investment property purchase, or to review your current loan if you don't have a broker. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. So we are back from the break and to catch everyone up to speed, we've spoken through number one, two and three acquisition of this property journey, which is very intriguing and I'm really learning a lot from listening to how you've gone about things, which is pretty cool. In terms of purchasing... um, Number four, did you start to look outside? Because it sounds like the the first three are sort of like they're local to to you relatively on the central coast, which um, is an awesome part of the world. Um, But in terms of property number four, where did that land you geographically and how did you get there? So when it came to property number four, I started, this is when it started to get really, really serious now. I started to realise I've got X amount in my loan and X amount of worth of property. So I had to make a really smart decision with four and I really wanted to go down to Hobart. And um, I was calling everyone in Hobart. I was trying extremely hard at that. Um, I couldn't secure anything in Hobart. It just wasn't fitting my budget and wasn't fitting the right timing. Um, I ended up going to South Grafton. Um, I ended up looking around that area. The reason I chose that area is because 
when I do my search on realestate.com.au, I do everything myself. Um, the east coast of Australia is just, it's gone up so much. So we're talking like Wollongong, Sydney, Central Coast, Newcastle, Port Macquarie, Coffs Harbour. Then we've got the um, the Byron Bays and the Ballinas. And then it obviously hits into Tweed Heads and Gold Coast and Brisbane, et cetera. So um, the only places that we can get a property for 300000 Right now, near those areas, you're looking at the Kempsey, Tarees, and your Grafton's. Um, and then you can go out to your casinos as well like that. Um, and Grafton just hit the spot. It's 40, 45 minutes to Coffs Harbour, which is a major city. It has a beautiful airport there. 30 minutes to some local beaches. It's two and a half hours to the border of Queensland. Um, it, so for, for me, I could just see those properties in Coffs Harbour and Ballina they're going to, it's going to slowly spread out to the Grafton area over time. Um, people are realizing that they can move to Grafton to buy a property for four, five hundred thousand, and it's an absolute beautiful property. Well, that same property in Coffs Harbour is going to cost them eight hundred thousand um, dollars. I spoke with the real estate agent um, who I got in contact with in Grafton, and she gave me three options. She had three houses for sale, so I had the pick of the crop there. Like I was in the box seat there. Like, what did I want to buy? And um, I ended up settling on um, a four-bedroom home that had just been done up. They only had the property for about a year, the um, the previous owners. So they did it up. They did a lot of the grunt work. Um, and I purchased that for $300,000. And um, when I purchased it, she had tenants to move in day one, which um, was returning $450 a week in rent. It's a good yield. And I was just going to ask you about the yield of your portfolio at that stage. Uh, obviously, still working casual income and as a teacher and – what was the yield of your, your portfolio overall? Um, because that's well over a 6% yield, that uh, Grafton property. But what were the other two doing at that stage? Um, I'm not exact figures on yields. Um, I do look at numbers though, obviously. The the Tumby one was renting at the time for 370 a week and I paid 435 for that. And the one at Erinar, the two properties combined were making 825 a week. Okay, yep. So majority of your heavy lifting had been done by that first Erinar property with the granny flat. That's right. And then Grafton's um, topped it up nicely. That's correct. Yeah. That's right. Just a question on, because obviously um, one thing that a lot of people can find challenging or a lot of feedback I hear from buyers in the market is that the agent doesn't take them seriously or they feel like they're just sort of a number in the chain, particularly when an area becomes popular. How did you go about, or even if you could share some wisdom of how you sort of got in front of the agents, you mentioned there that that agent gave you a pick of three properties. Um, How did you get to the point of the agents actually doing that? Did you take some time building relationships or what was that process? I make hundreds of phone calls when I'm buying property all around. The phone's just going left, right and centre, callbacks if they don't answer and things like that. I'm dealing with agents. um, I'm very very strict. Um, I will seriously take, I'll, I'll make a phone call, speak to an agent and inquire about a property, let's say online, and I'll hang up the phone and block the number. Um, if, if I feel as if they're, they're just playing or with, oh, we've got other buyers in the area, but you know what, what do you want to know? And things like, I'm just not, I'm not interested. Um, if, if the agent wants to sell the property, um, I get the feeling they want to sell that property. And um, that comes to Hobart, dealing with Hobart agents, um, where that property market there is booming. Um, I had a lot of conversations to get my um after Grafton I actually got then this is goes into it after the Grafton I got my next property which was in Hobart I actually called the agent up about this property and he knew my name he said hello Douglas and I, I had I've called so many people and I was like hello he's like you called me a few months ago 
um, to, to inquire about a property and I didn't even realise like that's how many phone calls and stuff I'm making and stri- but w- working with the agents like I said I, I will I, I hang up phone calls regularly and won't even inquire further because I get the drift that they're not they're not interested or they're, they're just playing around and I'm not I'm not for that um, even to buy that property in Hobart I called him up spoke to him about it it just gone on the market and I said to him I'll wire you the 20% deposit right now as we speak that's like that, that, that's that's talking serious, and I'm and I'm serious yeah. as well. And I think it was three days later I sent him the money for the twenty percent deposit. It all went through. Yeah. Um, so like I, I, on the phone as well, I'm talking very serious. I know what I want, and I'm I'm, I'm not inquiring fifty fifty. I'm thinking of buying. I'm thinking of not buying it. I'm getting the answers. If I'm if if I'm liking the answers, what I'm getting, I will write there. Okay, I'm going to make this offer right now, and I'll wire you the the cash right now. If the people aren't interested on the other end, don't call me back. That's my final offer. That's what you're going to get. I've got five other offers that I'm going to be making today. You can sell yeah. a property right now if you want to sell a property. So it's like I'm a salesman at the same time, mm. and um, I'm, sell I'm, yourself. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not scared if I don't get the property. Of there's no attachment to it. Whatever. There's 500 properties right now in New South Wales between two and three hundred thousand dollars. There's going to be 20, yeah. 30, 40 winners out of all of them. Mm. Um, and it, that, that one that I'm calling up about is, yeah, it might be a winner because I'm calling up about. And I think it's a winner. But if I don't get it, there's no hard feelings. I move on to the next one. Yeah. Do, do you want some more? Casual income because uh, I've got a spare seat in my office here that you could probably fill up. Oh, if you look, to, uh, a job to... <laughs> offer on the spot. <laughs> um, but, but key takeaways from that are 100, 10, 1, isn't it? Make 100 calls, uh, put 10 yeah. offers in by one and, and be firm and know what you're doing. And I think that last part of that, Douglas, is, well, you knew what you wanted. You knew what answers you needed to to hear, but that comes with experience. You couldn't have done that at at property one. Def- definitely you didn't not. Know definitely what the not. Hell you were doing. Definitely not. Yeah. So and I, I, yeah. I always say, um, I wish, I wish people could, I wish I could record my phone call and people hear, especially even like when I get the sale and when I'm getting this and you know when I'm getting answers and hanging up the phone. Like it might be brutal, it might be rude or whatever, but like you said, I know, I know what I want, I know what answers I'm looking for, and um, and you got to remember, you're going to be working with these people. Like the sale of a property. So I've just bought my six one in Hobart. I'm still, uh, it's been about five weeks. I've been dealing with this agent. I'm still dealing with the agent today. I'm still calling them. They're calling me. Like if they're not going to answer the phone call, if they're not going to be nice from day one, mm. uh, you're working with these people. That's right. Yeah, no, I love it. Where in Ho- I'm originally from Hobart, so <laughs> I'm uh, the the agent's probably my cousin, and Hobart people will get that <laughs> joke. But uh, where whereabouts in Hobart, and what was is another freestanding home or? Yeah, so free uh, freestanding home. So number five was in um, Hobart in Ro- Rockaby. Rokeby. 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 I love it. Doesn't even know how to pronounce it. Web doesn't care. <laughs> That's overrated. But. Rokeby sounds better because Rokeby, yeah, yeah. Anyway, Rokeby, it's, it's a lot of stuff happening in Rokeby. I drove past Rokeby on my on my holiday in January. Yeah, it's a good spot. Yeah, yeah. Um, so based on the location of it, it's about 15, 20 minutes to the CBD of Hobart. Um, it's got the Police Academy of Tasmania there as well. Um, it's close to the ocean, which everything sort of is in Hobart anyway. Um, but um, the, the the growth there was over twenty percent growth they've had. Um, the I was uh, I, uh, you can call it luck, I guess. The person who I purchased the property from was um, a Sydney cider. Um, she had a bit of money, and um, she just wanted the property gone. I'm, I'm not too sure why she needed the money or what she was doing, but um, she she made double profit from um, selling it um, f- from what she brought it for. I know that. And um, yeah, I was. Um, I made the right phone call at the right time. Spoke to the right person. Um, said the right things, and was able to get that quick sale. I hadn't even. It was quarantine at the time and um, lockdown, so I hadn't even seen the property. I actually went there about a week and a half ago for the first time to go and have a look at it. 
Yeah. Good investor attitude, I reckon. Too many people get hung up on being able to physically go and see the property before they put pen to paper. And I think that's where a lot of people fall short. Um, It's evident that you're non-emotional about the process in terms of, you know, even just um, not dealing with certain agents and things like that. But I think for listeners who are, you know, growing their property portfolio, a lot of what holds people back is the physicality of actually like touching and seeing going through the property you don't have to physically inspect the property for it to be a good purchase you've just got to have good people and have good agent connections to make sure they're showing it in its entirety I assume she's like a video walkthrough or you know you saw pictures and floor plans and stuff I saw pictures and floor plans there was no video walkthrough or anything like that pictures and floor plans were good I could see in the area properties were selling for much much more than that um, yeah. Even like um, this is this is funny actually. Um, so I had to get a building inspection for it. Obviously, I get a building inspection, and the guy it was it was um, Jim's building inspection in Hobart. He's an absolute yeah. legend of a bloke. And I, I at the end of it, um, he called me up and I spoke to him for like an hour on the phone. And he gave I was like, <laughs> what are the tenants like? Oh, you know what's you know what's the property like? You know, but what's the area like? I was asking him all these questions, and he's like, mate, I actually have done a few of these building inspections in the past week around this area. And he's like, do you mind me asking how much you paid for it? And I said, I've paid three hundred. 80,000 for it. He's like, I've just had a look at a property last week um, for a Chinese buyer and it was sold for 506,000. He's like, yours is better than that. Oh, and I was, I wow. was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you want to hear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and yeah, so the message is you, you're researching hard. Um, you, you're spending some time finding out what's happening infrastructure, what's happening in the suburbs, what's happening around and, and urban sprawl and all those sort of things. But when it's time to act, you're not messing about. And I think back to your point, Emily, about, well, I've, I've got to go and see the place. So I've got to book a flight and then all of a sudden a week goes by and it's already under offer uh, versus ringing up and then saying, well, I'll, I'll transfer a 20% deposit in, in two days sort of thing. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very different game when you've got guys like Douglas out there competing against you essentially, right? Yeah, you've got to be aggressive and you've got to be confident and I think you've got to back yourself more than anything. That's probably the biggest thing is backing the decision and being firm with it and I think being decisive as well. A lot of people can be really indecisive or a lot of what I hear is, oh, but, you know, is that the best option for me? Like, could I do better? And sitting on the fence um, for extended periods of time. There's some people who have thought about buying an investment property for over a year but just haven't committed. So I think it's a volume game in in getting to the right property but also backing yourself once you actually do identify a good opportunity. Mm. Okay, so... Off, off air, you've mentioned your portfolio is doing 25 grand a year passive income. Not sure if we're allowed to say that, but we have. <laughs> uh, you're also working part-time casually as a teacher, so uh, bringing in roughly another 25. So, so 50 to run your life. Um, you, you don't have plans to, to work a full-time job no. ever. What does FIRE mean to you? So financial independent, retire early essentially you've already achieved that would you would you agree or yeah um de- definitely um when it comes to retirement it's a question i get asked a lot now by friends and family you know when you're going to retire and the thing is um i've thought about i've thought about it a lot 
And um, I've actually, I live with my dad at home and he's retired. He retired at 59. He's been retired for about five years now and he is bored. Like, you know, he does things, but it's, it's, it is quite boring. I just had a six week holiday just then, um, like away, like, you know, traveling, you know, I was in the Witch Sundays and I went down to Hobart and, you know, I'm in Sydney and I'm in Queensland or whatever. But, and I, I was like, I'm itching to get back to work. And I'm thinking to myself now, like, I don't think I ever want to actually physically retire and just put my feet up and do nothing. I always have to have a mission or something that I want to accomplish. Um, and it's only now, and I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, I'm up to 132 countries. My, my, my goal is to get to every country in the world. I'm able now to very easily go and do that and also enjoy myself while I'm doing it and do more things that maybe before I wouldn't have been able to do. Um, with my time now, also, I've started to learn how to fly. So, um, you know, I've flown solo 2.1 hours at the moment. So, like, I love going around the Central Coast in the plane and flying around. And I'm looking forward to take my family and friends up once I get my license. But I would have, I would have never been able to do that ever. It's just because now I've got the time to do it and I've got the finance behind me where I'm able to take those risks. And um, even like buying a car for, for 10 years, I drove my dad's $2,000 car. I shared a car with my dad for 10 years and it's only last year, halfway through the year, I decided to go and buy a car, which was about $12,000. It wasn't excessive. Um, that was through my passive income and I bought the car and the, the reason was A, for safety, B, because um, I, d- I don't like using my phone when I drive, obviously, and um, it was annoying me so much. So I was, you know, and I don't use my phone when I drive, And but I wanted to put Bluetooth on so I'm able, so I'm able to, you know, actually answer a phone call or something yeah. like Welcome that. Welcome to or, the future. Or, or, yeah. Or, or, yeah, or even like use air conditioning in the car. Like every, t- every time I hop in my car now, mm. it's like I'm hopping in a limousine um, because I've never had these luxuries before for te- for 10 years and I'm still living in my dad's garage at home as well like you know I'm not I'm not living above my means I'm not living excessively um and and I'm, I'm happy I'm happy doing that um, I'm able to travel and go wherever I want to go and do what I want to do and um if I if I want to go and rent an apartment somewhere then I'll, I, I can go and do that like I've got options okay so so this is Douglas in his 20s 50 grand a year, working four or five months of the year, traveling the rest, um, living off the smell of an oily rag, okay? <laughs> um, it, it's more like loot, isn't it? Live on own, uh, own terms more so than fire. But I suppose the burning question for me, and maybe some listeners are, are, are listening to this thinking the same thing, what about Douglas with a family uh, or a partner or, or, or someone else in your life that essentially – Costs a little bit more to, to get by. What, what's your plan of attack for the next 10 to 15 years? Um, when, when, I'll, I'll reverse on that question a little bit. When I was younger, I had people telling me, you're going to have to go and get a job and you can't just keep doing this forever. And you know, it, it's, it's hard hearing that and, and, and going against society's rules and expectations. And when it comes to the family side of things, um, I'm, I'm definitely looking now to, to have a family or like, you know, to, well, sorry, to, to find a partner. And then um, once I've got a partner... I think you um, might have a few putting their hand up for it now. <laughs> once, I, once I find a partner... Yeah, wait till the episode's released. <laughs> um, long-term is to have children. I'd love to have children. Um, what that looks like, I'm definitely that type of person who will take a year off with my family and go and travel around Australia or do something like that. I will definitely continue the travelling. Um, I am a school teacher as well, so I understand the education system and how that works. Um, but, you know, I... It's 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 hard because I'm I'm against home ownership. Like I I believe the home ownership. Um, you know, it isn't putting money into your pocket. I know um you can make a profit from it and gain that profit, but at the same time, you know, everything I'm doing right now with my properties is all tax deductible, and I'm getting so many benefits for it. And um, you know. Obviously, it's a 50-50 call when I find a partner what happens, but um, there's going to have to be some groundwork there. But 
my ultimate goal is to go to every country in the world. So I'm always going to follow that dream. And um, if someone wants to come with me and do that, then, um, you know, that's awesome. Like I'll be really appreciative of that. We just became matchmakers by the sounds of that, John. Where yeah, people right. were going, yes, that's me. I will definitely travel yeah. with you. <laughs> I'll put up with <laughs> We better not put your contact countries. at the bottom of the show notes. <laughs> yeah. Nah, love it. Um, oh, boy. Yeah, and you, you definitely have bucked the trend of life and, and I, I, I love that fresh air because uh, there is uh, the whole go to school, get a good education, work 40 hours a week for the rest of your life and, and retire when you're 67 or when the government tells you to. And, and whilst... Uh, all of that is well and good. Um, people like yourself uh, are not up for that and you've had the courage to think outside the square and, and, and as I said, buck the trend and I, I just think that's amazing and and so maybe freshening for, for listeners out there thinking, yeah, I'm thinking the same thing but uh, I didn't know how the hell I was going to do it um, and, and it, yes, property prices have grown in the last um, five, six years since you've started but property prices have been growing since 1900 so yep. if it's not done on the central coast it can be done somewhere else and and you could have looked at that first bank when you uh went to get that second property and they gave you a no and thought oh, yeah, no nah, this is too hard i can go back to what everyone else is doing but you, you're stuck to your guns and and uh that that takes courage so i uh yeah we applaud you for it yeah thank you thank you but um, there's also Likewise. there's also that case where you're not going to learn to swim unless you jump in the water and actually start swimming, you know. And it's it's, just, it's the same that goes with property. You know, getting a property, got the first one. I waited two years until I got my second. Waited another two years until I got my third, just to understand the game and how it works. So yeah, there's definitely there's there's a lot of opportunities out there. Um, so many people will say there's not, but um, my first property was two hundred eighty thousand dollars. Like, um, yeah, there's there's a lot of, there's a lot of places out there that you can go and buy, um, and they will go up in value over time historically. So yeah, there's there's definitely opportunities that you shouldn't be missing. Hundred percent. And uh, sounds like you'll be working for John soon. So he <laughs> <laughs> doesn't want to do too many hours though. So that oh, might be his yeah. point there. Definitely not weekends. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Well, I think it's been a really interesting story to unpack and certainly um, given listeners some insight as to what is possible. I do love the fact that you really aren't living beyond your means at all and you're certainly um, an example of not doing what people think you should be doing um, or say that you should be doing. So, um, yeah, really appreciate you being open in sharing figures and where you've bought and what you've bought. It gave, gave some great insight for others to consider and um, keen to – maybe we can revisit in a in a year or two and see, you know, where, where you're at and keep updated with your portfolio. Definitely. That sounds good. I've got a lot of plans, so I'll keep, I'll keep you posted. <laughs> <laughs> sounds and, good. And, yeah, just on that, like a, a lot of portfolios are – the number one aim is capital growth and and whilst he's gone in with that you've got a really high cash flow um, portfolio that regardless of interest rate rises and whatever else it's going to be fine you you don't need to sell you you might want to sell but you definitely don't need to which is which is half the battle for a lot of investors when they're growing the portfolio so yeah again well done all right, we'll leave it there. It's uh, that's a wrap. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll uh, we'll catch up with you soon. See ya. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. 
Taking your property journey to the next level starts with education. That's why we make this podcast, but we've also created online courses to equip you with the knowledge you need to take the next steps. I've created the Solvair Online Academy, open to both first home buyers and seasoned investors, where I share my tips and experience from 20 years in the property space. And I've created the Buying Coach, built from my experience as a buyer's advocate to demystify the confusion around purchasing property, particularly for first home buyers. Follow the links in the show notes to sign up and get started today. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.